It's Tuesday, November the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Poland's border standoff and Trump allies subpoenaed. First, the world in brief. Poland stopped around a thousand refugees from crossing into the country after a column of desperate people was driven to its border by neighbouring Belarus. Poland says thousands more may be on their way and deployed 12,000 troops. Belarus hopes to destabilise the EU, which last year introduced sanctions after Alexander Lukashenko, the country's autocratic president, stole an election. The House of Representatives Select Committee investigating the Capitol riot issued subpoenas to six associates of Donald Trump, America's former president, over their alleged participation in his efforts to overturn last year's election. Among them are Michael Flynn, briefly a national security advisor, and Bill Stepien, a former campaign manager. Mr Trump previously instructed other subpoenaed allies not to comply. Thousands of people marched on New Zealand's parliament to protest against the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. New Zealand is beginning to reopen, having followed a zero-COVID strategy since the pandemic struck. That, says Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, requires 90% of the eligible population to be double-jabbed, 80% currently are, as well as mandatory vaccinations for health workers and teachers, among others. Speaking at COP26, Barack Obama, America's former president, accused China and Russia of a, quote, dangerous absence of urgency in reducing harmful emissions. He criticised his successor, Donald Trump, saying progress on climate change, quote, stalled on his watch, but that under President Joe Biden, America was, quote, prepared to take a leadership role. He ended on an upbeat note, but the limited success of the summit's first week somewhat belies that optimism. Rolls-Royce is rolling out plans to develop small modular nuclear reactors after securing £455 million, $617 million from Britain's government and a small group of private investors. Such reactors are considered a cheaper and quicker way to harness nuclear energy. Kwasi Kwarteng, the Business and Energy Secretary, said they presented, quote, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to deploy more low-carbon energy than ever before. America's Department of Justice said it took action against two hackers affiliated with Revil, a suspected Russia-based ransomware gang thought to be responsible for high-profile attacks, including one against JBS, a meat producer. It wants to extradite a Ukrainian who was arrested last month in Poland. The department also filed charges against the Russian, from whom it recovered $6.1 million in extorted funds. The French Roman Catholic Church said it would offer financial compensation to hundreds of thousands of people who have been sexually abused by clergy and lay members. A two-year independent investigation, published last month, revealed the scale of abuse over the past seven decades. The church did not provide any details on how the victims will be compensated. And figure of the day, $22, the average hourly wage America's 50,000 actors made last year. Streaming has changed the economics of talent.
And now, here's today's agenda. Last Rites Religion and the Death Penalty On Tuesday, John Ramirez, a death row inmate in Texas, gets a hearing at America's Supreme Court. Mr Ramirez seeks religious counsel in the execution chamber that Texas refuses to offer. The ministrations of his Baptist pastor laying hands on him and praying aloud as pentobarbital is injected into Mr Ramirez's body. The justices agreed to hear the appeal two months ago, postponing Mr Ramirez's scheduled execution date of September 8th. He says, quote, Prayer, song and human touch at death are essential to his Christian faith. Texas counters that Mr Ramirez is, quote, manipulating the courts to extend his life through a, quote, game of ecclesiastical whack-a-mole. The case gives the court a chance to clarify an odd pair of rulings in 2019 that rejected a Muslim inmate's plea but granted a similar request from a Buddhist prisoner. It may give conservative justices, who are impatient with death penalty delays but protective of religious liberty, a bout of cognitive dissonance. Lost its shine? Coinbase's results. Investing in cryptocurrency is not for the faint of heart. Nor is investing in Coinbase, a popular crypto trading platform. Investors will watch its quarterly reports, released on Tuesday, nervously. After going public in April, the company's share price fell amid investor scepticism and declining cryptocurrency values. It started to rise in late September, after Coinbase began broad changes, such as announcing that it will let users trade non-fungible tokens. Some of the company's performance depends on cryptocurrency prices. An index fund tracking the 10 largest shows they are worth slightly more than in mid-August, though that came after a fall. Coinbase also faces growing competition. Companies like Robinhood, a retail trading platform that does not charge fees, have started to offer crypto services. To keep its edge, Coinbase last week announced a subscription model without fees for each trade. Is that enough to win the hearts of investors? Hope springs eternal. COP26 COP26, the UN Climate Summit, is in its second and final week. Tuesday's main session is on the quote, science and innovation needed to keep global temperatures to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. It will probably produce a little of note. The most important work will happen behind closed doors as ministers and negotiators try to draft a final agreement from the conference that all countries can stomach. Over the weekend, with early negotiations complete, the summit's organisers released an outline of what they hope will be achieved by the end of the conference. This includes rules for an international carbon market, a framework for, quote, loss and damage financing, reparations for the countries already suffering economically from climate change, and a system to check whether countries are living up to their climate goals. All are issues that several successive COP summits have failed to resolve. Any advances should be celebrated, 
but expect the final document to embody only slow progress. Go with the flow. Ukraine and Nord Stream 2 Nord Stream 2, a pipeline that will move natural gas from Russia to Germany, was finished in September. Not everyone is celebrating. Until now, a common route for Russian gas was along Ukrainian pipes to Western Europe. NS2 means Ukraine stands to lose up to $2 billion in annual transit fees. Before the taps can be turned on, the pipeline must be certified as compliant with EU law. On Tuesday, Germany's electricity and gas regulator will give Naftogaz, the Ukrainian state energy firm, a preliminary indication of whether it plans to involve it in that process. PGE, the Polish state firm, has already been included. Ukraine is unlikely to vote to certify. Yuri Vitrenko, the chief executive of Naftogaz, says NS2 is not compliant because Gazprom, a Kremlin-backed giant, is involved and European law prohibits producers from owning pipelines that transport gas to customers. Far from being independent, the pipeline will increase Europe's reliance on Russian gas, he claims, handing it yet more power. Profile Yoon Suk Yai, South Korean presidential hopeful. As political careers go, this one has been meteoric. Yoon Suk Yai, who was South Korea's chief prosecutor until March, officially entered politics in June when he said he would run for the presidency as an independent. In July, he joined South Korea's main opposition, the Conservative People Power Party. On Friday, he won its presidential primary with 48% of the vote. His main opponent, Hong Jun-pyo, got 42%. He will face off against Lee Jae-myung, the candidate for the governing Minjo party, in the presidential election next March. Mr Yoon made his name as an aggressive prosecutor, unafraid of harrying political bigwigs. He played a leading role in the proceedings that led to the impeachment and conviction for abuse of power of Park Geun-hye, the Conservative former president. His commitment to the prosecuting authority as an independent institution endeared him to President Moon Jae-in, who appointed him as Prosecutor General in 2019. That he then spent most of his term confronting senior Minjo officials, most prominently two justice ministers, endeared him to the PPP, as it cast around for a candidate to renew the party's credibility after the impeachment scandal. The support has ensured Mr Yoon's rapid ascent, but his political inexperience may dog him. He made a string of gaffes during the primary campaign, accidentally publicising his belief in shamanistic practices and being forced to walk back comments that were read as downplaying the crimes of Chun Doo-hwan, South Korea's most brutal military dictator. Mr Yoon claims that his presidential run is motivated by a desire to rebuild justice and the rule of law, which he says the current administration has undermined. But his views on key policy issues remain unclear. Mr Yoon owes his victory to PPP members. They voted for him in greater numbers than the general public, who preferred Mr Hong. 
the party hopes his credentials as a tough prosecutor will outweigh his lack of political savvy and that advisers can help him build a credible platform before the election. The coming months will show if its bet pays off. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Imre Curtes, who was born on this day in 1929. Man is always a little at fault. That's all. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 